Well, welcome everyone to another edition of Ladies Who Switch. It's a quick turnaround. We've only just finished talking to you about the Women's Ashes Test, but we're back again to look ahead to the T20 series starting very shortly. But that's just the nature of this series. There's a lot of cricket going on. That's the nature of this summer. There's a lot going on and we're on board with it. So um, for this one, I had the pleasure of having a chat to Australian all-rounder Annabelle Sutherland. Um, so that was really interesting chatting to her about her experience in the test match and then sort of throwing forward to how the Aussies are going to approach the T20s coming up. Yeah, and amazingly, Annabelle Sutherland scored a century in the test match, batting at number eight. So that's not an easy thing to do. It's a time when you're running out of partners. She had some really good partnerships. She helped Australia post that first inning score of 473 I have a feeling she might have talked to you a little bit about it. Let's have a listen. Well, Annabelle Sutherland, thank you so much for joining us on Ladies Who Switch. Um, I guess if we could look back, first of all, for a minute at the test match, um, an unbeaten century uh, in an Ashes test. Um, can you talk us a little bit through your uh, 137 not out? Yeah, thank you. Um, oh, it was just an incredible five days I think in general um to to come out with the result and then yeah knowing I'd contributed in that that first innings um yeah it was pretty special um and I think we all reflected on it on that that last day just how incredible it was and um yeah nice to get four up against the palms um and I think yeah not not only my innings but I think there were a number of contributions throughout with with Ash's uh, bowling in both innings, particularly the second innings, pretty incredible to take eight far. Um, and then, yeah, a few contributions with, with the bat as well. Pez, Pez in the first innings with a uh, 99 and then Moons, Moons and Midge in the, the second innings to get us to a score that we could we could defend. Yeah, um, and I guess... Going sort of beyond that first innings, what did uh, Elisa Healy say to you when uh, she sent you in at number six in that second inning? Um, it was just a conversation with our coach, really, just given um, Midge's fingers, just to give her a little bit more time to get ready to keep. She obviously had a big job in that second innings to keep and did did a really good job to hold on to catches and, and grab a stumping too, so was more just about giving her a bit more time just to um yeah get those digits sorted um but yeah I was happy to have to put my hand up and jump up the order and so how did you approach that um compared to the first innings if any differently at all no not not really any differently I think um yeah obviously just came in a little bit earlier than potentially we would have liked just given the the way that wickets fell on that day but um I guess that was the trend over the the five days was that more and more wickets fell as the the pitch got a little bit harder to bat on. So um, yeah, it was a good challenge to come in. Obviously, didn't didn't quite take take the opportunity as much as I would have liked, but um, yeah, nice to I guess get promoted a little bit up the order given the uh, the situation. You've got that versatility, obviously, in your batting, but also with the ball as well. What's your preferred role within this team? Um, oh, I like. To contribute with both, I think at the moment, potentially in the uh, the short shorter format, white ball stuff. Um, yeah, play a bit more of a role with the ball. Um, but that's just down to our top order and um how settled we are up top. So it's pretty hard to crack into that order. But um, I definitely feel like I can play 
play a role with both and be a genuine all-rounder to to contribute in both aspects of the game when when hopefully yeah an opportunity arises up at the top with the white ball format hopefully yeah I'm there to take a take a spot and take an opportunity you mentioned um it being hard to sort of cement a place and that's one thing we talk about with Australia is that depth and the fact that if one or two aren't there or you know don't have a good day there's others that can step in to to fill the role how do you guys do that yeah, it is. I think it's a testament to the, our uh, domestic cricket setup um, and the support the girls have back home, which is, um, I think, yeah, it's still got a, a little bit to go to to get to where we want it to be. But um, from a professional standpoint, but um, I think just the amount of work that they put in at home, I think it just prepares the girls for that next level. I know personally, the the big bash and um, the WNCL did that. For me, and I think in particular the WBBL, just putting it, putting the players on a stage that's in front of um, you know TV cameras and bigger crowds, um, really good grounds as well. It's um, yeah, it's pretty close to what the uh, that international I guess setup is, and then you obviously go up another level in um, in the quality of the actual cricket. But I think just in general that depth. Um, sort of yeah enables girls who do get picked up to go to that next level to be able to um rise and perform and I think we've probably seen that in the way that Phoebe Litchfield has just um yeah cruised into the, this team and um looks very much at home particularly in that that test match opening the batting with Moons didn't look a step out of place so I think that's yeah one example of many of yeah girls have just come in and um yeah, I think being welcomed into the team by our leaders and, and felt comfortable to just do their thing. Well, um, you mentioned Phoebe Litchfield just now. That's a really good point. Can you think back to when you made your debut? She obviously played the one day as earlier this year, but when she's starting her career, can you think back to making your Australian debut and, and what it was like and, and did you find it as easy and, and if so, why? No, I don't think I found that as easy as heaps has. Um no, it was just a very exciting um, time. It was right before the T20 World Cup, so um, there was a lot of buzz about female cricket in in that period of time. And um, yeah, just really special to be a part of that that group. That yeah, I guess has had a fair bit of success since then. Um, which yeah, started with winning that that I think it was 2020 that World Cup, and then they'd won the 2018 World Cup as well. So um, yeah, pretty cool to to come into that side where yeah, given how successful they had been and have been since. So, um, yeah, it was a big dream come true, but, um, yeah, whirlwind of emotions, which I'm sure Thebes is keeping, um, yeah, nicely under the surface. Um, cause yeah, it appears like she's, she's doing it with ease, which is good. Uh, you mentioned that there was a little bit of growth to be had, a little bit of a way to go at, you know, the professional level when you were talking about sort of the the domestic cricket preparing you guys for, for you know, international cricket. What sort of things would you like to see improve and, and grow? Um, I think just the support, I think, particularly from a, a staffing standpoint. And then, yeah, obviously the, the pay is a big one just to give the girls as much time as, as they need to to spend on their cricket um, and improving their skills um, and, and not have to, I guess, commit to different – another job potentially which can take away from um, improving their skills um, and, and I guess have that option there where 
yeah, if they do want to do things outside of cricket, they can, but um, that cricket, I guess they get paid enough to, to focus wholly on their their skills, um, which, yeah, it, it is taking, yeah, steps in the right direction. Um, but, yeah, it'd be nice to, to keep following the, the men in that standpoint where, yeah, you can wholly focus on your craft and improving your skills to get to get to the level that you kind of want to be because I know there's, yeah, there's lots of girls, um, particularly in that Victorian team who, um, yeah, absolutely love the sport and, and spend, yeah, a lot of time on it close to, to full-time but don't quite yet paid that. So, um, yeah, that'd be nice to see. Sure. There seems to be um, a real feeling that the the women's game is growing globally. We've seen a lot of development here in the UK. They re- rejigged their um, domestic structure and, and, you know, probably seen in improvements as a result. Um, do you really feel that you're part of that globally, a, a growth in, in women's um, cricket all over the world? Um, I don't know. Hard to kind of measure that. I think um, definitely playing in the hundred and the the WPL this year has kind of yeah enabled me to see that in different countries. Probably haven't really yeah got a sense of what the growth is around the world. Um, just given I hadn't yeah played overseas as much, but I think yeah given I I played in those comps, just seeing um I guess where cricket is at at a domestic level in particular um definitely in the UK it's taking um yeah huge steps forward in the last few years and I think the 100 has created that and as well as their rejigging of the um regional cricket setup um and I think yeah it's just giving a lot more girls the opportunity to to spend more time on their cricket and play more cricket so that's a good thing and then yeah I mean India's a whole other world um, but yeah, it was an amazing experience playing over there and, and I guess chatting to the domestic players, seeing where they're at. And, um, yeah, I think as that comp, comp progresses over the next few years, that those girls will, will progress with it, I guess, and develop their cricket. Um, yeah, as, as that kind of gets bigger and better. I was going to ask you about the WIPL and just your personal experience of playing over there. What was it like? And, you know, what, what, um, what sort of, do you, did you do you think you took out of it? Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, um, yeah, like I said, India is just um, an incredible place, um, and yeah, it was it was pretty special to be a part of that first first uh, season of the WPL. So um, yeah, it was it was nice to have a, a good mix in my team of um, yeah overseas players that I knew, um, a few Australians, and then um, Sophia Dunkley and Laura Woolbart as well. So. Nice to mix with some different players there. And then um, I think I probably enjoyed talking to and getting to know the the Indian domestic girls um, the most, I guess, just kind of sharing what I know and what, what they know. Um, yeah, it was it was very cool to, to do that. We don't, I guess, mix a lot with the, the Indian team, um, just given we, we don't really um, play a whole heap with, um, unless it's, yeah, in a, international series so nice to mix with them and and chat to them and um yeah build a bit of a relationship with some of those girls so um yeah that was special and then yeah just the event in itself I think um yeah the cricket was was pretty special it was um designed very much to favor the batters which was um interesting as an all-rounder given 
I have to do both. But um, yeah, it was it was really cool to be a part of, and and hopefully can put my hand up and and do it again this year. When you play um, alongside those players that you then come up against in the internationals, like you mentioned, Sophia Dunkley, Laura Woolbart, players like that, what do you sort of get from playing alongside them that you can then take into matches when you have to play against them? Um, I actually just really enjoy it because you know them on a bit more of a a personal level. I think um, I'm a very competitive person, so... It just kind of adds to that, which is really fun. And then afterwards, you can have a chat and a laugh about it, which is great. Um, but yeah, I think it adds to that kind of competitive fire to, to keep wanting to get one up on them. Um, you obviously learn a little bit about their game and the way they approach things, um, which I think more so you can take little things from other people's games along the way to try and kind of implement or grow your game, um, which I think is a great thing about um, those franchises cricket tournaments um, in the you're mixing with a lot of different players from different countries who um, have grown up um, learning and playing the game in a different way. Um, so, yeah, I would say that that was something that I really um, have enjoyed in playing the 100 and the WPL. Um, but, yeah, just nice to to mix with different people from, from different countries and, and have those kind of friendships all around the, the world where, you, where, you know, we're constantly traveling traveling to different countries. So nice to see familiar faces along the way. Sure. Can you talk to me a little bit about um, your influences growing up getting into cricket? Um, I know that um, you've spoken about um, training with your brother and sort of, you know, you guys playing um, growing up. Um, can you sort of talk a little bit about how he's influenced your game and also anyone else that you look up to or that you've worked with that sort of got you where you are? Yeah, definitely my older brother. Um, I seemed to always want to follow what he was doing. So, um, yeah, when he and dad were spending time in the backyard um, playing sport, uh, I was always there following. So, um, yeah, I think he was one that I looked up to from a – pretty early age and yeah I've got a younger brother as well so we spent a whole lot of time in the backyard playing whatever sport it was um there were yeah lots of lots of tears and tantrums along the way but I think um all for a good cause um but yeah that was I guess my main kind of memory from from growing up is just yeah how much fun we had outside in the backyard and playing literally whatever sport we could get out get our hands on um and yeah they both still play cricket now which is awesome to um pick their brains on on different things um will especially given he's yeah in a professional setup and um yeah i think yeah he he's done an incredible job particularly over the last season just in um the development of his game and um i think that's been rewarded in He's uh yeah captain captain the Victorian team so that was pretty special to see um and then yeah I guess over the, the journey as well lots of coaches um along the way I've um yeah spent a lot of time talking cricket with dad um and yeah he knows the game inside out given he's he's coached and and captained a lot of cricket um growing up and and played a lot too so um I think that's that's been yeah really cool to have someone constant to talk to and then um I think a couple of coaches that spring to mind would be Carl Sandry um who was at Paran Cricket Club when I 
first got there and um, was my, yeah, first, first club, proper club coach and I've spent a whole lot of time working on my batting with him um, and he's been just, yeah, incredible for the development of my cricket and then more recently the um, Victorian batting coach, Dorp Samarira. So um, those two have probably been the main the main ones outside of my family who I've leaned on in a, yeah, I guess part of my circle when it comes to, um, yeah, getting some advice and keeping me nice and level. You mentioned you played lots of sports. Could you have gone into another sport or was it realistically always going to be cricket? Uh, my other love would be AFL, um, but it probably wasn't quite where cricket was at the time when I was coming through. Um yeah, that the AFLW hadn't really been set up yet. Um, and yeah, it was only, yeah, once I'd sort of finished school and um, was already contracted with cricket that the, the comp started. And um, yeah, certainly love watching and following. I've got a few friends who are playing in that, in that comp and um, yeah, love hearing how they go about it. And um, I guess it's, it's following a similar path to what cricket has maybe five years ago, just in that even trainings are moving towards um, daytime um, sessions instead of nights, uh, which just increases the, the quality of the sessions. So nice to hear that, um, yeah, different sports are keeping up with cricket or trying to keep up with cricket. Now you've got to switch your focus to the T20s now. For those that are making the, the transition from the test, I guess, first of all, what was it like playing in a five-day test? I know it finished sort of before lunch on the fifth day, but what sort of things did that do to your body and your mind having to sort of be on uh, on track for that, you know, full five days um, if it had have gone deep into that fifth day? What, what was that like? Um, I really enjoyed it. I think it allowed... Um yeah, everyone to take a little bit more time with what we were doing. I think um, it was nice to know, you know, going into day four that there was a whole nother day left and we just had a, we had a bit of time to, um, yeah, put us, put on a score and um, get ahead of the game as, mu- as much as we wanted to. Uh, and, yeah, I think it's – I think it's important for test cricket in general. I think, um, yeah, it's, yeah, interesting that – you know the first five day test we've played, we we get a result, and and the last, um, you know, handful of tests we've played, we haven't been able to get a result. So, yeah, nice that there's just that bit more time to, um, yeah, get through a result, and and particularly with the unpredictable nature of weather as well, it just kind of gives everyone a bit more time to to get there. But um, yeah, it's a challenge, I think, mentally and physically. Um, but. Yeah, it felt like everyone was up to the task and and ready to go. And yeah, personally, I love that. I love that challenge of Test career. It's such a good format, and the um incredible ebbs and flows of the game um was yeah, it was hectic to be a part of and um took a lot a lot out of everyone. I think um just riding the waves, but um I think that's what makes it so good. So how do you now switch to T20? Is, is that going to be hard or is it easy given you guys play a lot more of it? Is it a bit more instinctive to go go into the shorter format now? Yeah, definitely um, instinctive. I think we've, yeah, we probably play the most um, T20 out of any um, format. So I think it's just going back into those, um, that pattern of the game moving a little bit quicker um, and I think 
yeah, just just selling selling back in. I mean, at the end of the day, it is just cricket. So um, I think it's yeah, being able to move through those those gears in um, in yeah, both with the bat and ball. I think yeah, yeah, you bowl a lot more change ups in the T Twenty game, and um, it's just kind of getting your your mind ticking to to move with the speed of the game um, and to stay ahead of the batter at the other end and then probably vice versa as, as a batter you're, you're sort of having to shift up and down gears a bit a bit quicker and um, yeah can't kind of just let the game happen you sort of have to stay ahead and, and realise what um, what the game needs at that time um, so yeah it's it's uh, I think it's pretty instinctive for our team um, and we're looking forward to it I think England have um, probably put a lot of um, attention on their T20 cricket in the last year or so. So, um, yeah, and we haven't come up against them in a while as well. So um, we're looking forward to that challenge and we know they're going to come pretty hard. So we're excited to see what what happens and, um, yeah, hopefully, uh, yeah, Edgebaston, it's a pretty sold-out crowd I hear, so it'll be nice and loud and a good atmosphere. Um, has anything sort of surprised you by um, within the England team or the England squads as yet? I know sort of it'll be slightly different for the white ball um, part of the series, but, you know, did anything sort of take you by surprise out of the, the tests or going into the next phase? Um, well, it was nice to see uh, Lauren Filer debut. I played with her at the Welsh Fire in the 100, so um, I guess that was probably... A little bit more of a surprise, just her inclusion in the squad and then getting picked, um, which was yeah cool to see. Given I um, have played with her, um, but other than that, I think we've um, yeah come up against a lot of their a lot of their players before, and um, yeah, just looking forward to the challenge over the next you know six games with the T Twenties and then into the ODIs. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. Um. What was the mood like after the test? Because obviously going into the white ball series, you have got that four points up. So, I mean, that sort of takes a little bit of pressure off. What's the the mood like looking ahead to the, the rest of the, the white ball stuff? Yeah, I think um, we're all pretty focused on these next six games. I think um, like it's very nice to be in a position of 4-0 of up, but that can very quickly change. Um, so yeah, we're particular. I mean, particularly with T twenties, like the game, the game moves so quickly, and um, you know, it only takes one or two moments for that to kind of get taken away from you. So um, we're pretty focused on getting this first game right um, and and setting it up for us. So um, yeah, we're looking forward to the first game, and then yeah, rolling into that second and third with hopefully some more mo- momentum. And I guess um, just last one, um, what is it that defines this Australian side in terms of their T20 cricket now that we're we're in that phase of it as opposed to, you know, the test that's just finished? What 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 is it about this team that, and their approach to T20? Uh, I think in general we have a lot of depth throughout our squad, um, particularly in our bowling and, and I guess batting, but bowling we cover a lot of bases and then, we back quite deep as well, um, but I think that kind of enables us to be really adaptable to conditions and then just whatever is happening in the game. Um, I think we have some really great leaders in our team who've played a lot of cricket um, and that sort of calmness through those girls kind of spreads throughout the team and, um, yeah, I guess comes down from the staff as well. So 
I think it yeah enables us to um, kind of adapt on the fly and and understand what is required in each situation, which um, yeah often things kind of come up in in at different points in a T Twenty game, and I feel like we most of the time have answers to those kind of questions. So um, mm. I feel like that's kind of where we're at in the moment, in that yeah we can um, yeah no matter what what's happening. Um, we can stay level and, yeah, kind of get to wherever we need to. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us on Ladies Who Switch and best of luck for the rest of the series. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Another really insightful interview. We always love getting the big names and all the guests on our Ladies Who Switch pod. We've had some South Africans, we've had an English guest, and now we've had an Australian. So we're going to keep them coming. As is the cricket going to keep it coming? Well, we're moving on to the T20 series. Personally, this is the bit that I think is going to be the most competitive. We know that these two teams love having a go at each other in the white ball format. England missed out on the opportunity to play Australia in the T20 World Cup final because they were beaten by South Africa. And we're going to take every opportunity to say that, that we can. But it's an interesting squad that they've they've picked and it seems as though there's a couple of changes. Danny Gibson, she missed out on the test match, but she's getting an opportunity now. Can you tell us a bit about her? Yeah, so she's the uh, Western Storm all-rounder. She was the one of the two uncapped players that called into the, got called into the test squad along with Lauren Filer. So Lauren Filer did play. She really impressed with that raw pace of hers and, and took uh, two wickets in each innings. They, the selectors decided to give her a rest for these T20s and um, and called up Gibson as an all-rounder. She made some runs um, in the warm-up against uh, Australia A. So, um, yeah, she provides a, a good option uh, there for them with bat and ball. Uh, interestingly, too, with Phyla missing out, Izzy Wong comes back in. Now, she didn't go to South Africa for that T20 World Cup. She has since played in the WIPL. So she's back to bolster those uh, those seam bowling stocks Um should she get picked? But both sides have got a few injury uh, worries as well. So uh, we know about Elisa Healy for Australia, keeping with those two broken fingers. Uh, the latest on her was that she had trained fully yesterday and today uh, she was expected to do the same on match eve. They haven't named um, named her the side yet. But, um, yeah, things were tracking okay with her. And I guess given that she, uh, you know, kept four and a bit days, um, you know, well into that fifth day, um, she she played with those uh, those injuries and, you know, you'd probably back her to back up unless things have gotten worse. In terms of backup options, I guess they've got Beth Mooney um, who can keep and um, failing that Phoebe Litchfield did take the gloves in the three-day warm-up match. However, she only kept for one ball because that's when um, Australia got the last wicket they needed and then moved on. So I don't know that they'd call on her, but, you know, there, there's uh, there's a few options there. But we'll have to sort of wait and see what happens. On the England side, um, Nat Siverbrunt, we know, had a bit of a knee injury. She did um, bat and she did come back and bowl in that Australian second innings as well. Um, Heather Knight, the captain, was talking today about her still needing to be assessed and then having a look at whether she plays that full all-rounder role or if she just bats. So that's an unknown for them at this stage and they hadn't um, actually done that assessment of her yet. Um, And Kate Cross also, she dislocated her thumb during that test match as well, but then she came back and bowled um, the over after that. So uh, she's apparently tracking absolutely fine and um and yeah should should be right to go but um yeah there's a few injury unknowns there um ahead of this uh, this opening match at Edgebaston 
Yeah, and what about Tammy Beaumont not making the squad? She scored quite a lot of runs, albeit in a different format, but she seems like she's in such good touch. Why do you think they've left her out? Yeah, that's a really good point. And I thought she might be a chance. But like you say, different format. And she her double century was a test innings. It was, you know, at a at a good test tempo. Um, but she had scored a double century in that warm-up, and that was at an um, even quicker tempo. And I think you're right. I think if you're seeing the ball that well, you're striking the ball that well, um, you know, th- there's an argument for you. I guess with England, that's where they've got a good amount of depth, that that sort of fast scoring, um, you know, big hitting batters really. So I guess it was a case of, um, you know, they didn't desperately need another in there because that's an area where they are quite strong. They've got um, Sophia Dunkley, Danny Wyatt there, um, Nat Siverbrunt we know can come in sort of, um, you know, upper middle order to to score quick runs and, and then Sophia Dunkley as well. Like, so they, they have got options there. So I think that was the reason that there wasn't sort of a, a hole to fill in that particular squad. And in terms of their overall game plan, we spoke in the last part about how this T20 series is really the must bounce back for England. They lost the test match. They have to get some points. Have you got a sense of the mood? Are they looking like a team that is absolutely desperate to just put points on the board and get one over Australia? Yeah, they seem pretty upbeat. I mean, they have to be. And they're also talking about only focusing on this one game, which you do hear a lot like in sporting teams, but it makes sense because if they then start thinking ahead, thinking ahead, we've got to win five of the next six, it can get away from you very, very quickly. So I do think they're going to have to sort of just focus on this one ahead of them get that one done, ticked off and move on. And that's what they're saying. That's the noise they're making. That's how they're going to approach it. And I think that's probably the right way. Uh, bearing in mind, Australia have got that four-point buffer having won the test. So they're, they're, um, they're travelling well. They obviously, I wouldn't expect them to take it lightly as a result. However, um, they'll want to go in and, and sort of really put their stamp on the the start of the white ball um, section of this tour. So yeah, I wouldn't expect them to have taken the foot off the gas at all either. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really great contest. We we wanted in the test, we wanted to break the string of six draws that had preceded the test match at Trent Bridge. We were able to do that. There was a winner. There was a loser. Let's get a prediction for the T20 series now. Are we expecting some records to be broken? Are we expecting the speed gun to reach heights it hasn't reached before? On my side, I think I'm expecting some full crowds or fuller crowds, if not maybe sellouts at some of the venues. What about you, Velks? Yeah, you're right. Um, Edgebaston apparently is nearly a sellout, so that is looking fantastic uh, for the first one. So that'll kick the the series off really beautifully. Um, I think, oh, I don't know about Speed Gun. I don't know that we're going to see anything sort of super spectacular there, but who knows? Um, I do think that the batting is going to be really interesting. I'm really interested to see how that England um, batting lineup fires. Um, They had a disappointing Commonwealth Games campaign, had a disappointing T20 World Cup campaign. So this is their chance to really hit back. And I think in the batting, that's where they've got a chance to do it. That said, I do think we're going to see a pretty dominant Australia. Um, To be fair, England did compete with them in that test match. You know, that that can't be denied. So it's not like this is going to be a walkover for anybody. Um, I do still think the Australians have got the upper hand. They're just so tough and they they're so used to playing T20 cricket, they can sort of switch to it without really having to think about it or work on it as opposed to having that 
test being a bit of a, not an unknown, but a, we don't play this very often. We've got to really drill what we want to do here. So I think it's going to be very, we heard Annabelle Sutherland say it's a bit more instinctive switching to the shorter format. So I think that's not an issue for them. I think um, what's going to be an issue for England is just the the depth and the mental fortitude of this Australian side. If they can somehow get an in on that, and we know in T20 the momentum can shift pretty quickly. If they can get a bit of a momentum shift and hang on to it, that's going to be their chance. Yeah, it looks set for a really closely caught contest. And it's not the only one. There are a lot of other closely fought contests happening at the moment. We're going to have a little wrap around the women's cricket world before we end off our pond for this week. So in Sri Lanka, they're hosting New Zealand. And that series, it's an ODI series. It's locked at one all. Sri Lanka won the first match by nine wickets. They chased down 171 in 28 overs. And that chase was led by the one, the only, Tamari Atapatu. She scored 108 of 83 balls. And beside her was the young Vishmi Gunaratni, who was really impressive at the T20 World Cup. She scored 50 of 74 balls. But New Zealand, they hit back. They won the second one-day game by 116 runs. Some big centuries coming there as well. Amelia Kerr, 108 of 106 balls. And Sophie Devine, 137 of 121 balls. So another really nice combination of experience and youth in that game. They set Sri Lanka a target of 330. Those types of runs are not chased down very easily. And alas, Sri Lanka, they were skittled out for 213 Kavisha Dilhari was their top scorer with 84. So that series is looking like it's set for a thrilling conclusion over in Sri Lanka. And then the West Indies are hosting Ireland. They haven't been able to add to their win in the opening game, which they achieved by 58 runs. And that's because the second match rained out. So we've seen another 100. Hayley Matthews, 109 of 106 balls. West Indies scored 297 in the first ODI and Ireland were kept to 239 for nine. So it's good to see teams putting up some really good performances, closely fought contests. Women's cricket is thriving all around the world. In just a week and a bit's time, we've got the series between Bangladesh and India about to start. And India, of course, on the hunt for a new head coach. So we're expecting that that will be unveiled soon as well. But for now, it's all Ashes action. We've got the T20 series on our doorstep and we can't wait to see what it brings. We'll be back to give you all the results and analysis on Ladies Who Switch next week.